Yeah, can we just stand? I'm just going to pray for us all. Father, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher this morning, that he'll speak to our hearts, that he'll take what, what the words that are spoken and he'll minister them to us to bring us closer to Jesus, that he will anoint the words. Lord, your word says that he takes what is you and shows it to us, and we pray that, that what, what comes this morning is is the Holy Spirit showing the things of Jesus to us. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, um, I was worshipping this morning, uh, early this morning, I don't need those. Yeah, so I was worshipping early this morning, and during that time of worship, it, it struck me that, uh, well, I believe it was the Holy Spirit striking me, that we kind of have a, a mindset which is worship's the bit where the Holy Spirit is, and then we sit down and we learn, and that's intellectual. And it, and it, and it has, I think it has something to do with the like standing up, sitting down bit. Uh, that we, we kind of categorize the things that happen in, to church, in church as the bit where we're supposed to connect to the Holy Spirit and the bit where it's, it's just for information that we're supposed to absorb and learn. And, and that, of course, is how we learned to do it at school from a very early age. But actually, that's not biblical. We're all behaving, when we think that, unbiblically. Because what Jesus said is he said, my words are spirit and life. So we should, biblically, have an expectation that right now, and throughout any teaching we, we're hearing, that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us, and it's the Holy Spirit who's going to minister to us. Not, not the person bringing the word, but the Holy Spirit ministering to us. You see, the Holy Spirit, if we, if we, if we come with that um, commitment and that mindset that this is spirit too, then he will be able to do a work in our hearts that is transformational instead of informational. And so I, I think it's so important that we, we don't kind of split services down into little blocks like we we're trying to break the the disconnect between the prayer meeting that used to take place in another room and the church congregationally praying which is why we've moved it into the main room in the mornings and and why we then flow into worship because this isn't about functioning as a church this is about us hearing the heart of our savior and following him and knowing him. And so I want to carry on from what I was talking about last week. You, as I said, that what, when, when I introduced this last week, this is kind of a scene set for what I believe is the, God, the Holy Spirit wanting to talk to us about the Holy Spirit throughout the summer. And uh, as you know, I kind of shared last week how I, I 
I received this at like 4 a.m., woken up by the Holy Spirit from a dream, and he kind of dictated it to me. And when I, I got up to speak last week, I thought it was a short talk, but I didn't get halfway through it, so it obviously wasn't when he, he started doing something with it. And so I, I just want to remind you where we got to and, and what we talked about last week first before I, I, I get into the other bit of it. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's very easy to do this mind switch from, well, I thought we were talking about Jesus, and Jesus is the center of it all, and, and it's all about Jesus. Well, yes, it is. You see, the, 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 the Holy Spirit was sent to us so that we could receive the things of Jesus and so that we could have a real relationship with Jesus. And, and our, our experience as Christians is supposed to be eternal life. And Jesus said, eternal life starts here and now. And this is eternal life that you might know me. And so when, we, uh, when our, our Christianity looks like something different from that, we've kind of missed the point of what Jesus came to give us, which is relationship with him and not religion. And, and the only way we can have that relationship with Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus started to tell his disciples what the Holy Spirit came to do. And that, that's what I, what I talked about last week, in that he came to join us to Jesus. Our spirit is one with the Spirit of Christ. That means we can have a very real spiritual connection with Jesus. Not in, in abstract, but in reality. And the, the Holy Spirit also came to transform us so that we look like Jesus. So that the, the more time we spend connecting with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, the more and more we look like him. Paul talks about that as beholding him. You might have read those verses. And the Holy Spirit does that in, in a variety of ways, but one of the ways he does it is to bring to mind the things that Jesus has said. Bring to mind the, the, the word that we have and we receive and to bring it new and fresh to our hearts. That's why it's so important that this isn't a learning exercise or an intellectual exercise. This is a spirit exercise. And, and he takes what is of Christ and he shows it to us. That, that's how he does it. And then what we, what we found out um, is that the intention of Jesus and the Father is to dwell with us. Not to, uh, not to be here occasionally or in your life occasionally, but the intention is to dwell with us. And, and I tried to unwrap this last week. Now, if you didn't, haven't heard last week's talk, you need to go and listen to it. Because it's one of those ones where there is a deep truth in there. And if you, if you kind of don't get that, you will mishear what I'm saying. It won't be that it will be of no use to you. You'll just mishear it because you haven't got the, the depth of understanding of what I'm really saying. So you'll see it at a different level from what the Holy Spirit intends to communicate it. But he talked about, Jesus talked about, I'm now with you, but the Holy Spirit will be within, in you. 
So where, the in you is when you were born again. You were, you were given new life, new birth, and the Holy Spirit came to live in you and he became one with your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 tells us that, Ephesians 4, 24 and so on. So we, we, we know that, that the Holy Spirit is in us. And a lot of believers who, who even know that in the first place, not, a lot of believers don't even know that. But believers who do know that, then assume because we have the Holy Spirit in us and he's one with our spirit, that's all. It, that's it. I've got the fullness of everything. And then we, we kind of struggle and puzzle because we say, but I'm not seeing everything that I should be seeing. That, that Jesus said was mine. And, and so we go through this, this process, this almost angst of saying, I've seen bits, but I need to see more. And why did it work then and not work then? And, and all these sort of things. And did I not have enough faith? Do I have enough faith? Whatever. Here's, here's the big clincher. Jesus himself could not do anything without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself told his disciples not to do anything without the Holy Spirit. So my question is, did Jesus not have enough faith to do what the Father sent him to do? Well, of course he did. He's Jesus, isn't he? He had perfect faith. But Jesus himself, he said, without the Holy Spirit, I couldn't do these things. So we not only need to believe the word, we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in us in order that Jesus through us can perform the word. And so with, in the absence of the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling with us, we kind of settle for a bit more powerful than them that didn't know it, but not as powerful as we'd like to be. And I got on to looking at a, a great man from the past, a role model called Smith Wigglesworth. You might remember that. And I'm going to look at another two couple of quotes from him this morning. But that's kind of where we got to last week, except to say Jesus said, and, and it's a really uh, well-known verse, and uh, so you might, you might want to get into John 15, 14 and 15, but this is from verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you're my disciples. So Jesus is saying there's a quality of being a disciple that bears much fruit. And that glorifies the Father. That brings glory to the Father. It brings glory to Jesus. But it's not as simple as just asking for things and he'll do what you ask. It's conditional. And, and that's so important because somehow in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, we've got our mind that everything is unconditional. So anything that has a condition to attach to it must be law. And therefore all covenant. And, and people get all messed up in the thinking. No, that's not it. But the, let, let me put it this way. Jesus is saying there are two conditions to the Father doing what you ask. 
The first condition is my words abide in you. My words abide in you. Jesus' words abide in you. So that's, that's an easy one. And it's one that we as a church have been good at teaching over the years. But the other condition is that you abide in me. And, and that's the real challenge, isn't it? You see, because this is about relationship and not religion, we need to understand what it means to abide in Jesus. Otherwise, we, we, we'll continue at this level where we see bits of what we want to see, but not the fullness of what we want to see, as people have seen in earlier generations. Y y are you understanding what I'm saying? So why is, this, why is this not rules? How can conditions not be rules? Well, there's, I have a relationship with Cheryl. You would hope so, because we've been married for 35 years and dated for seven years before that. So we're, we're old timers in the dating stakes. And you see, there's no conditions attached to that. We made a, a commitment to each other. But what there is is there's a way of that being a really good relationship in the way of it being quite a strife-filled relationship. And the two uh, different outcomes, and there's a whole spectrum of outcomes in that, depends on how we behave towards each other. Our, the quality of our relationship with each other depends on how we behave, behave to each other. And it's the same with God, because God is after a bride. And so he, wa he wants a bride who knows him and spends time with him and who he spends time with and dwells with. And so when, when we're talking conditions, we're not talking rules. We're talking ways of behaving towards each other so that the relationship thrives. You, you got this. This, this is how grace works. Grace is just is not just an absence of rules. It's a thriving of relationship. That's why Jesus said, you've got the Holy Spirit. Now, as I said last week, I'm making no apology for this being deep. It's just what the Holy Spirit gave me to, to talk to you about. And let me, let me just be really clear on that. The old covenant law is about rules. It's about performance and sacrifice and, and doing all the things you need to do to get right with Jesus. And it, and it didn't work. It was only ever meant to lead people to know that they couldn't do it and that they needed a saviour. The new covenant is completely different. It's not, it's not an add-on. It's... It functions completely differently. The new covenant is about relationship. So the old covenant's about rules. The new covenant is about relationship. And so God says, in order for that relationship to function, my son has died for you, and by receiving him as Lord of your life, you are forgiven, and you not only are forgiven, but you get new birth. And, and, and that... That, that spiritual life that comes to, into you allows you to have relationship that is separate from rules, different from rules. So does that, does that start to make sense? 
because a lot of people will, the minute stuff requires something of them, they back off because they think it's law. And it's not. It's relationships. It's, it's, it's the outcome of the grace that is within you. So Jesus is saying, this relationship works by my word abiding in you and you abiding in me. Now, I needed to say that because I'm going to take you to some things that Jesus said that if we didn't understand that, would be really uncomfortable in comparison to what a lot of people think. Okay? A lot of the time, we, we, we kind of dismiss what Jesus said and say, and, and by some mystical way, that, was, that was, must have been Old Covenant because he hadn't died yet. Jesus here isn't talking about Old Covenant. He's talking what it will actually be like when he's gone, died, come back, risen from the dead and in heaven, and the Holy Spirit's come. So this isn't Old Covenant. This is new. So we can't get around it like that. But it's kind of awkward because what Jesus is going to do here is he's going to talk about what it means to love Jesus well and to love the Father well. And by implication, it must be possible to not love the Father well and not love Jesus well. And, and, and we don't kind of like that because it requires something of us. And so we've talked ourselves out of all that in the idea that God doesn't require anything of us. Well, if we want the fullness of the relationship he offers us, he wants us to relate to him, and he wants us to love him well. So, go back to chapter 14. Jesus is going to talk here about what it means to love him well and to love the Father well. Chapter 14, verse 23. Actually, go back to, let's just rewind. Go back to chapter, uh, verse 19. Scroll up your page. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. That tells us this is New Covenant. It's after Jesus has gone to the cross. At that day, so when, when, I come, when I'm raised again to life, when I'm back with you, he's talking to his disciples. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. It's that joining with Jesus through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. Now, here's, here's it where he comes on to what it means to love him well. And what he's saying is these are the people that we are going to manifest ourselves to and my presence will be manifest to. It is possible to live your entire life as a believer and never experience the manifest presence of God because we don't, didn't understand how to love him well. 
Why is that important? It's important because of what we sang this morning, which is give me Jesus. It really is about Jesus. Jesus didn't die. Well, he did, but it's not the complete fullness. Jesus didn't die just to save you from hell. Jesus died and rescued you to bring you to himself. That's the purpose of Christianity. But that's the purpose of Christianity is relationship and not religion. And so we, we kind of have this problem that we are, we are desperate for people to sign up to our Christianity. So we take anything out of it that doesn't suit us. Let me explain. I, 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 I just this is a little rabbit warren, but I'll 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 do it because Joel will tell you this 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 broke my heart yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Could have been Friday. You know how sometimes you, you're looking at something. So I was looking at how much offices cost to rent because I'd seen an advertising board up of offices that were coming up for rent and. You think, well, what's that got to? Well, you know, like you get on a rabbit warren. Well, so I looked at these offices and I saw another one and I was looking at that and then I thought, I've seen that before. And I thought, I think there's a church that's already around there. So I, I looked up and it, anyway, they, 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 they are still around there. So this office was near where they were. So, I, I, the, the way, But the way I found that out was to look at the website of the church. And... What I read on that website is it was kind of saying, well, this is what happens on a Sunday morning. We've got a similar thing on our website. It tells you what to expect if you visit Faith Life. And this said, um, basically, you'll be welcomed. We'll sing some songs for 20 This is the exact words. We'll sing some songs for 20 minutes. And then there'll be some notices about family business. And then there'll be a short talk that will help you in your life for about 20 minutes, leaving plenty of time for you to have coffee and catch up with your friends. That's their lead statement about what their Sunday service is like. Now, my issue with that is, firstly, we seem to have this problem with anything that goes on for longer than about an hour. Because as the church, we've trained members of the church to reject things that go on for longer than an hour, thinking you guys don't have the concentration capacity to deal with anything that's deep or meaningful or longer than an hour. So what we're going to do is reduce your Christianity to one hour on a Sunday and get you to sign up for a group that you might serve in during the week. That's your Christianity. And... I get all the reasons behind that. But I actually get insulted by that. You see, I think my concentration span is capable of doing more than an hour. And I don't want to be at a level where I can't grow and I'm never challenged. And that takes more than an hour. If you want worship where the Holy Spirit turns up in worship, you want to minister, you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, and you want a word, you can't do that in an hour. And, and so 
I was talking to Cheryl about this because I was getting wound up. She said, why are you getting wound up? As she does, because she counts me down. <laughs> and I said, it's this. Really what that's telling me is they don't want Jesus. They want to know they're all right, but they don't want Jesus because you can't have relationship one hour a week. Because if I tried to have a relationship with Cheryl one hour a week, I tell you, that's not going well. You try it, Les. See how well that goes for you. He's <laughs> nodding. It may go worse for you than me. <laughs> they'll, they'll collaborate with notes, Les. <laughs> but can you see, it, it's kind of, we can't, we, we've lost the plot. Because Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you might know me. And knowing him is a lifetime thing. It's a 24-7 it's a thing. So we, we have to learn how it works and understand how, as individuals, we can, can connect to Christ so it becomes real and meaningful during the week. This isn't something that where during the week you're thinking, well, I'm a Christian, that's my badge, that's the social club I belong to, and on a Sunday morning I do an hour. And that's okay for me because I'm a Christian. And we go through 20, 34 years like that. That's not knowing Jesus, that's doing church. And, and there's a big difference. And I don't, I don't want to do church. I know that's bad for a pastor to say, but I don't want to do church. I want to do Jesus. And, and, I, and I, want, I want to know him. And I want to know how I can know him when I'm working. I want to know how I can know him when I'm shopping. I want to know how I can know him when I'm driving my car without crashing. That'd be good. You know, the, the, the praying with your eyes shut, don't do it while driving cars, okay? Doesn't work well. And so, anyway, coming back to my thing. That was a, a side note. So, but he, this is what it means to love Jesus well. He has my commandments and keeps them. It's him who loves me. Okay, deal with that one. Jesus is saying to love me well, you have to do his commandments. Well, that sounds like law. No, this is new covenant. I'll unpack it for you in a minute. He has my commandments and keeps them. It's he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. Why? Because you love Jesus. The father loves everybody who's got the son. That, that rings his bell. You love my son, I love you. It rings my bell. He loves me, will be loved by my Father, and I, Jesus, will love him, and I'll manifest myself to him. That means the manifestation, the presence of Jesus, the real, because I talked about this last week. What that means is not just a, like, oh, I'm a Christian. Jesus is in me somewhere. It means... He'll come into the room in a way that you cannot mistake he is in the room. That's what that word manifest means. He'll, he'll, he'll invade your prayer time in a way 
that the atmosphere in the room you're praying in will just change so much you won't be able to look up because you know he's going to be standing there. That's what that word means. That's an incredible promise. That's what Jesus died to give us. And so here's the problem. We get stuck on the first bit. He who keeps my commandments, the Father will love him. The, we keep the commandments because we love Jesus well. What are the commandments? They're not the law. It's actually the things that Jesus has commanded. You see, that's why people have a problem with that verse. They think I've got to keep all the law for, for, for God to manifest it, Jesus to manifest himself to me and love me. No. What we do is we love Jesus well by doing what he asked of us. What did Jesus ask? What are his commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. Love one another as I have loved you. Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. What did you command me? You told me to love you well, Jesus, and to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and let that be reflected in the way I love other people. And Jesus is saying, to love me well, that's what you've got to do. And when I find people that love me well like that, I'm going to hang around in my manifest presence. Revival is not about pleading for God to move. Revival is about loving Jesus well so that Jesus comes. In Hebrew, they say things twice. Hebrews say things twice to emphasize them. So that was verse 21. If you go to verse 23, uh, Judas, well, verse 22, Judas, how would you like to be your only claim to fame to be that you are not Iscariot? Because wherever Judas gets mentioned, it's always in brackets, not that one, the other one, the other Judas, Ask Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How are you going to be with us when you're not with the world? How are we going to know you're there when nobody else does? Those are the people who don't believe. So, Because this is only for believers. And it says, Jesus answered. So he's answering that question. This is what he says. If anyone loves me, he will what? Keep my word. <laughs> Didn't you get it the first time, Judas? Not Iscariot. Because the other one didn't get it all. Look what happened to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, me and the Father, are coming. We're coming to your house, to your prayer room, to your place of worship, to where you work. We're coming into your car. We're coming into your church and we're coming. And we're going to make our home there. We're not coming for a visit. 
We're going to pick the bedroom. We're going to move our luggage in and we're going to be there in your house with you. That's what he's saying. He who does not love me, the one who doesn't love me well, doesn't do what I asked him to do. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus said, I'm not doing this of my own authority. Dad told me to say this to you. Dad told me to say to you, it's okay that if we find you like that, that sort of person, we're coming, we're moving in your house. The Holy Spirit is one with our spirit. We have the spirit of Christ in us. But we all don't always, if much of the time, have the manifest presence on us, with us, and around us. And the difference is, are we loving Jesus well? Because he, he, he's not moving in with people who don't get it, who, who, who don't do what he asked them to do. He's saying, you don't really love me. You're using me to get to heaven. Because if you really love me, you would do what I asked. Okay. How much do you desire to have the presence of God in your life? That's what Jesus died to give you. This is an extract from uh, Wiggles Just Like that was written to back in, by his friend. And it says this, to Wigglesworth, it was an awesome privilege for his body to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. He nourished his spiritual life through his communion with God by living in touch with God. That's live, living his day-to-day -day life in touch with God. Wigglesworth maintained that when a child of God ceases to hunger after righteousness and purity, Satan gets in and destroys the relationship. He once remarked, when I catch the first breath of the Spirit, I leave everything and everybody to be in his presence, to hear what he has to say to me. He was very sensitive to the movings of God's Spirit. That's his friend commenting. And he said, quite often I hear people say, God has told me. And knowing how some people live, I'm very fearful for them when I hear that comment. In other words, it's in the presence of Jesus that we clearly hear his voice. And, and often what he's saying is that believers would come out with this phrase, well, God has told me, when actually he hasn't, your flesh has told you, or your head has told you. I was never fearful when I heard Wigglesworth say that. Firstly, because he rarely said it, because he had no need to. 
Because whatever he said had come to him from God. Everything he was and did resulted from the moving of God's spirit. In his prayer life, he often prayed in the spirit. And we know this because he said things which are too deep for our minds to grasp and too profound for our language to express. It's possible. It's not only possible, it's meant to be like that. Right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Right now, he's trying to communicate something. How do I know that? Well, there's a peculiar verse in James. James has a few peculiar verses, but here's one of them. James chapter 4. By the way, if you want to understand James, there's about 17 weeks on James all on our YouTube from our Back to the Book that we did. Chapter 4. Verse 4. First part of the verse carries on from the previous bit. But do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity to God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You, you can't have both. We, we can't sit on a fence. For what is coming in this world, sitting on the fence and trying to have both, will not work. You will end up in the world. Do you think that the spirit says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, which is, I've talked about that quite a bit this year, that the end of that. But it's those words that I want to focus in on is the spirit yearns jealously. And I've heard people trying to explain this as if like, well, it's a bad thing to be jealous, so how could the Holy Spirit do, be doing something bad? They've kind of missed the point by even trying to explain it. What that's saying is the Holy Spirit is working in us and speaking to us right now to bring us Jesus, to deepen our relationship with Jesus, to connect us to Jesus, and to transform us so we look like Jesus. And, and, and what this is saying is he's jealous and he's upset and it pains the Holy Spirit when we give our attention and affection to things Ahead of Jesus. When Jesus is not 
the deciding factor and the motivating factor and the principal source of our life, it pains the Holy Spirit. And so he's jealous to make that, pull us back from that point to bring us to Jesus. And, and, and he hates the things that get in the way of that relationship he knows that we can have with Jesus. He, he hates the things that are stopping us entering in and living with the manifest presence of God abiding in our life and us carrying the anointing of Christ wherever we go. He, he's jealous that we, so that we don't get live our lives at this level that he's so like below that. It's, why do you get jealous? You get jealous when somebody has other lovers, when they think of somebody more highly than they think of you, when, 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 you, uh, when you love other things ahead of Jesus. We uh, went round um, Holyrood Palace and we, we, we found out lots about Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary, Queen of Scots was married to this guy called Darnley. Was it Darnley? It Darnley? And Darnley thought that Mary, Queen of Scots, uh, liked this other guy called David Rizzioli. And he got very jealous because he didn't want anything between him and Mary, Queen of Scots. Now, he didn't handle it very well, his jealousy, so the Holy Spirit's not like this. But David Rizzoli crept up in the middle of the night and stabbed him. Lord Darnley crept up in the middle of the night with a, with a knife and stabbed David Rizzoli 52 times. Dead. Because he was jealous that something was coming in between him and his wife. Now, that's a human, fleshly way of working this out. But the Holy Spirit has that sort of passion that nothing would come between us and Jesus. And so that's why, why I know he's, he's speaking to us right now. He's working on us, whether we sense it or not. Okay, I have the worship team back. So right now, here's, here's what's on offer. Really knowing Jesus, abiding in him, and him coming to live with you, and his anointing resting on you. Offer number one. Offer number two, everything else. And the Holy Spirit's saying, don't trade the offer for the everything else. He'll be in your life as you're doing everything. But he's got to be your life first. He's not, he's not telling us to go and lock ourselves all the way in rooms for the rest of our life. He's telling us he's coming to make his home with us and he's going where we're going and he's going to be in our car and he's going to be sat next to us at our desk and he's going to be there. 
That's what's on offer. And the Holy Spirit is yearning jealously that we don't trade that for everything else. Some pale imitation of Christianity. Some, uh, the things of the world that pull us away from, from faith and pull us away from Christ. Even just trying to do all this like the world. The Spirit's jealous that it is all about Jesus that he has first place so that he can be all in all to us and he can abide with us and dwell with us. So that's the offer. So my answer to that, for me, is give me Jesus. He's the one thing I want. That's what I want. I want Jesus. And I'm, I'm prepared to get whatever it needs of me out of the way to get Jesus. Because I want to love him well. I want to be somebody who loves Jesus well. Who loves him like he loves me. That's who I want to be. I'm not that person. But I want to be that person. And, and I'm giving him permission to change me to be that person. Let's stand. You've heard this song already. We've sang it already. You should know the words now. I'm going to sing it as a prayer. I'm going to sing it to Jesus. I invite you to do that too. spoke to him and said Wigglesworth I'm going to burn you up until there is no more Wigglesworth left then only Jesus will be seen as far as Wigglesworth is concerned that had happened he never wanted to be seen it was never about him I will never forget the last time I fellowshiped with him we were sitting at the table in his home. It was one week before he died. Looking at me with tears in his eyes, he said, when are you going to move into a realm that you have not yet touched? And when are you going to get going for God? He went on, I am an old man, 87 years of age. I may not look it, I don't feel it, but you can't argue with my birth certificate. And it tells me I'm 87. So I have to accept it, regardless of how I feel about it. And then he said, today in my mail, I had an invitation to Australia. One to India and Ceylon and one to America. People have their eyes on me. Then he sobbed as if his heart would break. Poor Wigglesworth, he wept. What a failure to think that people have their eyes on me. God will never share his glory. 
He will take them from the scene. And I thought, my God, if this man is a failure, what am I? presence is where we live. You know, we, we, we're not even scratching the surface of where Wigglesworth or Catherine Kuhlman or Finney or any of these guys are. It's because we don't know him. We know church, but we don't know him. 